when I was at school, um, there was a bully in school. There's always a bully in school, isn't there? And there was a bully in school. I'll not say his full name, but his, his, his first name was Fraser. And he was ugly. And he knew it. And uh, he lived up our road. And uh, everybody used to hide from him because, like, it didn't matter who you were. He just used to pick on you. And he just seemed to sort of like like picking on people bigger than him and 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 littler than him. Everybody, and um, you know, everybody stayed out of Fraser's way. And we used to play football on this patch of grass. And um, you know, we we used to have loads of games of football. But when Fraser turned up, we all found some excuse why we why we had to go home for tea or or something like that. But um, there was a guy in the school. There's always one guy in the school who's like, he's the gaffer. And nobody messes with him. And it just so happened that the guy in our school was called Robert Denton. And I had nothing in common with Robert Denton whatsoever. Uh, I didn't live near him. I didn't really know much about his family or anything like that. But because my name was Lenton and his name was Denton, every time he saw me, all right, bro. (laughs) And I was, I'm little now, but I was little then. And he was a giant. And for some reason, just because our names are similar, I was his mate. All right, bro. All right. One day, Fraser was picking on me, pushing me around, poking me, hitting me, stuff like that in the playground. And uh, it's not nice when, you, when you've been picked on and, and you've been picked off. But Robert Denton was near. And he walked up and he hammered this lad. <laughs> Back in the day when you could in the playground, you know. When, when, back in my day, when there was a bit of a fight in the playground, everybody gathered around in a big ring. And even the teacher on duty came and watched for, for a few minutes. <laughs> and then said, right, break it up, break it up. When there was a girls' fight, they watched for even longer. It was just more entertaining. But, um, but it's great to have somebody on your side, isn't it? Great, and if Robert Denton's watching, thanks, mate. <laughs> thanks, bro. But um, God's been really speaking to us uh, just lately through this series that we've, we've called Stand Firm. And um, last week, Dan brought a great message, spoke so well from uh, the book of Philippians. And uh, I don't know whether you were taking notes. I certainly was taking notes. And uh, he encouraged me when he said, keep the good news alive in your life. Keep the good news alive. And it made me think all week, what does that actually mean? What does that actually mean for me to keep the good news alive? And, uh, and last week, God really confirmed it by reminding us that we're, we're all he wants. And all, is he all we want? And we sang that song just now, and it really, really took off. I think God is really on that. And today, we're going to look in the... Uh, in the book of Second Samuel, in the Old Testament, chapter 23. And I want to talk to you about the posture of standing firm. How do I actually stand firm? What am I doing when I stand firm? And um, he thought he got away with it this week because he's been hiding on the drums and he's been looking forward to it, and he hasn't really had much to do in the service. But I'm going to ask Dan to come and join me on the on the platform here. And Dan, 
I just want you to stand just with your feet together, just not just normal like. No, no, stand with your feet together. That's it. So if if you stand like this, and somebody just gives you a push, you're not you're not standing firm, are you? Order. <laughs> That was Phoebe, that. You're not standing firm because you can be easily pushed over. But now stand sort of like, yeah, a bit tougher than that. (laughs) See, I can't push him over. But better than that, you know, who's glad that Gladiators has come back on the television? Okay. I thought that we'd have a little game of gladiators just to show it. So I thought, who's a good match for Dan? And I thought, a big South African lad called Johan. So Johan, do you want to go and get your sticks? So we're going to have a little bit of a gladiator battle here. This is... I just want to let you know, this is, this is not because I haven't got much of a sermon... So, hang on, Johan, are you right-handed or left-handed? <laughs> you come to this side then, Johan, and stand on that second step. And, uh, yeah, Dan, you stand there. Are you right-handed or left-handed? Okay, so it's harder for you to knock him off. Okay, that's good, okay. So, uh, let me, hang on, let me just move my iPad. <laughs> So the aim of the game is to knock your opponent off the step. And while they're doing this, take a look at how they're standing, everybody. Okay. So, as they say on the programme, gladiators, are you ready? Go for it. Oof. I'm sorry, Dan. (laughs) Let's give our winner the round of applause. And let's give our gallant loser. (laughs) I mean, that was just an example. As you saw, both of them actually were doing really well until somebody cheated and uh, got in there. But um, think about a rugby player. A rugby player, especially the, the guy at the back of the scrum, he's in there and he's absolutely taking the posture of standing firm because he's, he's pushing, he's propping everybody up and he's pushing in that, in that uh, scrum. If you're posh, think of the fencer. <laughs> he's got that posture. He's not standing like this because even the little tip of the sword is going to... Going to knock him over. The golfer, even. We haven't played for a bit, have we? You know, you stand with your feet apart. You've got a firm stance because you're driving off. All the sportsmen and women know what it is to stand firm, to really feet apart, standing firm, not easily pushed over. So let's read 2 Samuel. 23. 
This is um, entitled, in my Bible, probably yours, David's Mighty Warriors or David's Mighty Men. And uh, verse 8 of Second uh, Samuel, uh, verse 23, says this. These are the names of David's mighty warriors. Josheb Bashabeth. That's a good name too, if you're a mighty warrior. Bash, Bashabeth. The Tahekomite. He was chief of the three. He raised his spear against 800 men who he killed in one encounter. Next to him was Eleazar, son of Dehodai, the Ahohite. As one of the three mighty warriors, he was with David when they taunted the Philistines gathered at Pastamin for battle. Then the Israelites retreated, but Eleazar stood his ground and struck down the Philistines till his hand grew tired and froze to the sword. The Lord brought about a great victory that day. The troops returned to Eleazar, but only to strip the dead. Next to him was Shammah, son of Agi, the Hararite. When the Philistines banded together at a place where there was a field full of lentils, Israel's troops fled from them. But Shammah took his stand in the middle of the field. He defended it and struck the Philistines down. And the Lord brought about a great victory. The army of Israel, David's men, seemed to have a nasty habit of running away from their enemy. Eleazar, one of David's mighty men, found himself alone. And he had to fight off the, uh, the Philistines as they come because all Israel fled. You remember, long before that, King David... Uh, before he became king, visited his brothers on the battlefield. And uh, the armies of Israel were quaking because out from the Philistines' ranks was Goliath, their champion, their giant of a guy. No one would fight against Goliath. And yet this young boy David turned up full of faith and decided, well, God was with him. So he was going to go against this giant. This morning, I want to bring out three simple points from the third guy mentioned in this, this particular passage, Shammah. Shammah. It says this, next to him was Shammah, son of Agi, the Hararite. When the Philistines banded together at a place where there was a field full of lentils, Israel's tr troops did as they usually did, fled from them. But Shammah took his stand in the middle of the field. He defended it and struck the Philistines down, and the Lord brought about a great victory. You'll notice that that place where he was defending didn't even have a name. The Philistines were attacking. The place where they were standing wasn't all that significant. It wasn't like a, a, a strategic fortress or anything like that. It was a field full of lentils, and maybe, maybe that might be the reason why Israel fled or turned away. Maybe they thought it wasn't worth defending, so I'm not going to lose my life over a lentil patch. And yet, I don't know whether that's the reason or not, because actually they had a track record of running away when the enemy attacked. So maybe it was just because they were a pretty weak lot with the Israelites. They lacked the ability to stand firm. Sadly, we can all think 
of perhaps friends, family members, people who we thought they were strong in the faith and yet they're not really anywhere with God right now. And, you know, we shouldn't judge because, let's face it, we've all had times when perhaps we were weak too. But what is it to stand firm? I've had Christians tell me that they don't want to be all that sold out for God. They don't really want to be really going for it in God because that will alert the devil to them and they might get some unwanted uh, strife from the devil. They're reluctant to commit or to get really involved in some aspect of service because they believe that stepping up makes them more of a target. Shammah and his buddies were in an insignificant place. It was a lentil food. It didn't have a name. It probably wasn't all that strategic. But the enemy attacked anyway, because that's what an enemy does. An enemy attacks if whatever. Bullies attack whatever. You could be just walking down the street, and a bully will go for you. And everyone in this story ran away apart from this guy, Shammah. The Bible says that we have an enemy. The Bible says that our enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he might devour. 1 Peter 5 verse 8 says this, Be alert, be sober-minded. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of suffering. The devil is not waiting for you to step up and get more committed. Why? Because he is totally committed anyway to killing, to stealing, and and to destroying. That's who he is. That's what he does. He's our enemy. And it doesn't matter whether you're in a significant place or in an insignificant place, he's out to kill you. It doesn't really matter whether you're a Christian or not a Christian. He's out to destroy you. He hates people. He hates human beings. He hates people who are made in the image of God. It's what he does. Shammah knew that the enemy was ruthless and intent on killing, intent on stealing, intent on destroying, but he stood firm. Why? What made him stand firm? Well, we're just going to look at three very simple points. And you might say, this is not really deep, Andy. But, you know, it's amazing how how much we forget. So let's look at these three points. It's on the slide there. So he knew who he was. He knew who he was. He was a swordsman in the king's army. That was his job. That was what he was there to do. He had a sword and he was going to use it. He knew that he was in the army for a reason. And he had pledged allegiance to the king. He'd made a vow, as it were. He wasn't going to go against that. He wasn't going to turn from that. He'd committed to the army of the king. And he was going to defend whatever patch, whether it was significant or not significant. Kingdom territory was to be protected from any attack or any invasion. Interestingly, Shammah's name, all names mean something, don't they? Andrew means manly. 
Just saying. Mm -hmm. Our our kids, we were talking about this last night, our kids, um, so Alistair means defender of hope. And Karis means grace. And Cameron, in the middle, means man with a bent nose. <laughs> and he used to say to us, like, why, why have you called me man with a bent nose? And we used to say, uh, uh, it's because you're a warrior. It's because you're a warrior. You know, but actually, strangely, when he was born, he had a slight bend in his nose. He really did. That was amazing. Shammah's name, Shammah's name means the Lord is there. The Lord is there. And when you're stood in the middle of a field and you've got the enemy attacking, you need to know who you are, but you also need to know who is with you. Who is with you? When I was in that playground facing Fraser, the school bully, it was so good to know that my mate Robert, not really my mate, but because we had the same name, nearly, was near, was near. He knew who was with him. The God of Israel, Yahweh, was with Shammah. The God of Israel had said to Israel previously in Joshua 1, be strong and courageous because I am with you. He'd been raised hearing stories of how God had delivered Israel from its enemies. How God had provided for them in the desert. How God had provided water from a rock when Moses stood the rock, struck the rock. How God had divided the Red Sea when they seemed completely cut off. The Red Sea parted and they walked through in, safe, in safety. He knew that the Lord had never let Israel down. He also knew Israel had let God down many times. And yet God did not renege on his half of the bargain. God had never let Israel down. He knew that God was with him in the middle of that field when he was being attacked by the Philistines. So he stood firm, stood firm because he knew who was with him. And thirdly, he stood firm because he knew, ultimately, he had the victory. He had the victory. You see, he was serving a king who he knew had already fought a battle against a giant and won. He knew that he was in the king's army, and when the king was only young, he defeated the armies of the Philistines. So he was aligning himself with his king. David had fought the battle again single-handedly and defeated uh, the giant in 1 Samuel 17. And what seemed like an insurmountable contest between a little guy with inferior weapons into a well-equipped giant. And yet, Shammah remembered that God was on David's side. God was on his king's side. And the king had won. He probably recalled... King David saying to, the, saying to Goliath, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. So what can we learn from this story, the story of Shammah? 
What can we apply in our own lives? How can I stand firm when the day of evil comes, when I'm attacked by the enemy, whether I'm in a significant place or an insignificant place? How can I stand firm? I stand firm when I know who I am. When I know who I am. Do you know who you are this morning? Do you know that you are saved by grace? That you are a child of God. Ephesians 2, 8 says this. Do you know that you've given your life over to a God and Jesus is now king? Keep the good news alive in your life. Do you remember the day when you pledged allegiance to your king? When you said, Lord, I want to walk with you. I invite you to walk with me. I want to walk in this relationship. You keep the good news alive when you do that. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty, says Paul. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or want. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. That's who we are. That's who we are. We are a child of God. That's Philippians 4, 12. So I stand firm when I know who I am. The devil will whisper all kinds of things to you. You're not really a good Christian. You're not all that, you're not all that spiritual. In fact, there's many, many, many people far more spiritual to, than you. Remember that, that swear word you uttered just the other day? You remember that scene you watched in that film that you shouldn't have done? The devil will make you feel lousy and he'll reduce you and reduce you and reduce you. But you can remind him who you are. You are a child of God, saved by grace. All your sins are washed away, eradicated, forgotten even. Know who you are. Know who is with you. Do I know who is with me? I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. You are bought with a price, 1 Corinthians 6 says. Jesus came from heaven to earth to die for you, to die for me. If Jesus came all that way, he thought you were worth it. He thought you were worth it. No matter how terrible you think you are, how weak, how pathetic you think you are, Jesus gave his life for every single one of us. Isaiah 54 verse 7 says, No weapon brought against me will prosper. No weapon will prosper. Whoever you are, whether you feel you've got some kind of disability or restriction and it's restricting you in some way, it doesn't matter. If God is for you, who can be against you? Matthew 28 verse 20 says this, And surely I am with you Always to the very end of the age. God is with us always. He never leaves us. Never leaves us. He's always by our side. There's always a way out of every temptation. There's always strength that we can find in him. Know who you are. Know he is with you. I stand firm when I know I have the victory. When I know that I'm on the victory side. King Jesus has already gone before me and won the battle. 
Just as in Shammah, remembering that David had already defeated the giant, King Jesus has gone before every single one of us and won the battle over death and won the battle over sin. He is our king. You and God, in any situation, are the majority. When you seem outnumbered, when it seems like there's only you, remember there's God with you as well. And that is a majority against anything that the devil can, can throw at us. If God is for me, who can be against me? So, get to know your Bible. Just like Shammah knew the history of Israel, get to know what God is saying to you and about you through the Bible. Memorize it. Know what it is. Just as Shammah knew that King David had, had slain the giant, know that King David has slain the giant for you. And that's an Old Testament shadow of Jesus slaying sin and death on the cross in the New Testament. Remember the words of your king. It is finished. It is finished. Your sin, your, your hopelessness is finished. It's done. Remember, beautiful line in this particular little two verses in the Old Testament. Verse 12 says this, And the Lord brought about a great victory. It's not us who are doing the fighting. I don't have to stand up to the, to the bully uh, or anything like that because it's not just me on my own. The Lord will bring about a great victory. And I don't know what's going on in your life right now. Only you know that. You know what struggles you're facing. You know what things seem totally overwhelming and overbearing. Maybe even there's a lot of fear in your life. Maybe you're just so intimidated and you feel like dropping everything and just running and fleeing like Israel. Remember, it's the Lord that will bring about a great victory. If you know who you are, if you know who is with you and you know that you're on the victory side, the Lord will bring about a great victory. If you're a Christian here today, if you're a follower of Jesus and you're able I just ask you to stand right now. Dan, come and join me. If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour right now, you're in the army. You're amongst the king's, the king's army right now. And whether you're in a significant place or an insignificant place, that might be your perspective. But God is with you. And God has saved you for a purpose. And as your pastors, we want to read scripture over you this morning. We believe it's prophetic power and authority will speak into your heart and your life. The Holy Spirit will plant something deep in your heart. So just close your eyes and just really take in these two scriptures that we're going to read. Romans 8, from verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, or hardship, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written... For your sake, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, 
in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And Colossians 2 verse 6 says this, So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and every authority. In him, you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self ruled by the flesh was put off when you were circumcised by Christ. Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. You were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh. God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having cancelled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle over them, triumphing over them by the cross. And as God's army here at Derby City Church, to those scriptures, to those prayers, let's all say the word that we say at the end of every prayer together. Amen.